let's get started. We'll just start with what we have here. First uh, Timothy chapter two, verses one through eight is our scriptures um, today that I want to give you. First Timothy chapter two, verses one through eight. All right. And it says, therefore, I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time for which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I am speaking the truth in Christ and not lying, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. I desire therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. That's what we did, this brothers. This is why, this is the scripture that, that we stand on when we pray and we lift our hands, right? God wants to see men who are the authority surrender to him as the higher authority. Amen? Ephesians 6.18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints, praying always with all prayer and supplication, watching thereunto, right? Uh, with all perseverance and supplication for the saints. All right, so, so just some, some basics here we want to talk about. There are many types of prayer, and Ephesians 6 and 18 tells us that there are many types of prayer. And so one of the challenges that we, that we have, and that's what we've been really talking about over these several months. We've been doing this really since October. Um, man, I, I, I'm praying that your prayer life has been impacted and, and that you're strengthened and encouraged. What we want you to know is that there's many different types of prayer, and that's why we talk about prayer from different perspectives. Now, applying one type of prayer in a situation that calls for a different type of prayer will produce failure due to lack of knowledge. So God desires you to pray and produce results every time, but it takes diligence, right? So we're going to have some, some discussions and some word studies that explain to us here. So Ephesians 6 and 18, when it talks about prayer in the King James, it says all prayer, or, but the Greek word um, is better translated, the Greek phrase, dia pases prosukes, is better translated all kinds of prayer, all kinds of prayer, all right? So this prayer is the final part of the full armor of God, right? Because Ephesians 6 is really talking you through the armor of God. And it tells you about the loins being girt about with truth, the breastplate of righteousness, feet shy with the preparation of the gospel of peace, helmet of salvation, right? Sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, um, shield of faith, quenching all fiery darts of the enemy. And then it says praying always. But prayer here, um, though it, it doesn't say it directly, it described, it's des there is another piece of a Roman soldiers weaponry that was a lance a lance right uh we if you go to the olympics you see them throw the javelin right a javelin became sport because they would throw they they threw it and it was a weapon 
It was a spear that you threw at your enemy. A lance for them was a hand missile. Okay? It wasn't just an arrow. The fiery darts was arrows, but a lance was bigger and stronger than just an arrow. And so the lances came in all sizes and shapes. And the intention was that it's like they came in sizes and shape. Prayer comes in sizes and shape, but you don't wait till the enemy get up on you to start praying. Right. You keep him off at a distance and you knock him <laughs> while he's getting his game together to come at you. All right. So prayer is something that you launch at the enemy, not just when you're in a situation. Right. Now, I'm all for, you know, I'm on the highway and something's about to happen. Um, I'm uh, accidents about to go. I'm going to pray right then. But pray while you're still in your bed. Pray when you step down and put your fuzzy slippers on. Before you get on the road. In other words, launch the lance of intercession before you get there. All right? So don't wait for the problem to arrive. Let prayer get there before you do. Somebody say amen. All right? So then 1 Timothy 2, we, we heard that prayer, supplications, intercessions, and giving of thanks. So that's what we really want to talk about. The, the uh, apostle Paul was telling us, Different types of prayer that should be made for all men and for those in authority. Prayer, supplication, intercession, giving of thanks. What are those? That's what we're talking about here. Well, the first word there, uh, sup, excuse me, supplications went first. Supplications is the word deesis. It means a humble seeking, asking of God or man, and usually on, uh, on a behalf of oneself. It's a petition. This word depicts a person who has some type of lack in his life and therefore pleads that it be met, but he petitions someone who is in higher authority. All right. So if you're going to do a, this, kind of sup, uh, this kind of supplication and ask a situation, you have to acknowledge you have a need. You have to be humble enough to open your mouth and ask and submit to somebody who has higher authority and ask them to do something about your need. Supplication doesn't get, isn't like, God, what's up? I thought, I thought I was supposed to get such and such. Don't you know I need a job? Don't you know I've been praying for my health to get fixed? Don't you know? That's not, that's not deesis. All right. So the position is I'm, I'm humbly petitioning somebody. Um, who has the authority to fix my situation, right? Deuces is also the picture of a written formal petition of someone in higher power. In other words, you're going to the Supreme Court of Heaven because in heaven, God's word is a legal document, okay? Ever seen those people running around saying, hey, 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 will you sign my petition? We're petitioning the government about X, Y, and Z. If you agree with that, then you add your name to that petition. And that petition is presented to a governmental authority. See, God's word is a legal document. So you can say, Lord, on the basis of your word, you said um, that the seed of the righteous shall be delivered. I see my son is having a situation. We can't seem to get along and he's not 
lining up. So I'm taking this scripture and I'm presenting this to you and making a legal petition on behalf of the word for you to fix my situation with my son. Now, you don't go into a courtroom demanding the judge to do nothing. You stand when they come in. You wait till they sit down for you to sit down. <laughs> I saw somebody mouth off at a, <laughs> at a judge in a courtroom. She told somebody, the lady mouthed off, Who, she, what you doing bringing a baby in my courtroom? I couldn't find a babysitter. She was like, get that baby to somebody else. Blake, bailiff, go get that woman. And she locked her up and put her in jail right that fast. I was like, Lord Jesus, I'm going to be nice today. She wasn't playing. But you don't go into a courtroom. That's why the whole system is an honor system. You address the person in authority as your honor. Now, they may not actually have honor, but we honor the position that they walk in. The thing is that you need to know is that when you're presenting yourself to the judge of heaven and earth, he really does have honor. All honor flows from him. If there wasn't honor in him, there wouldn't be honor in anything or anyone else. All right. So you, your, your attorney writes a formal pleading. Your, to bring your case against an enemy. A pleading in, in law is, is a declaration or account of, of the issues and then the plea, the narration of the plaintiff, the person who's prosecuting, the plea of the defendant in reply, right? And then all of the issues that went in this case because you have, you have a prosecuting attorney he is the devil. He accuses you before the father, Revelations tells us, day and night. But you also have a defense attorney. You have an advocate with the father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the attorney general of the kingdom of God. Somebody say amen. Right? If you're going to do a formal petition, it takes time. It takes time and effort for you to put that together. All right? And you need to be diligent about it. Remember the woman in Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8? She went to the judge, and an unjust judge. That means he was your honor, but he didn't really have honor. She went to an unjust judge and said, every day, I need deliverance. I need deliverance. And even though he didn't really want to do it because he was honorable, he just got tired of her coming and getting up in his face. She wore him down. But you got a judge who is honorable and wants to fix your situation. So you want to stand and believe that he's going to move in your situation. Right. So um, it takes time and effort to document the specific issues. Listen. Um, had a relative that uh, was incarcerated and was about to face some things. I took time to write a five five to six page formal petition, not for them, but to God of heaven to override whatever they might say that might keep him locked up. God, your word says this. And on the basis of this scripture, I want you to do that. This scripture says this. Now, God, I'm giving you the whole case because you already know it. He's not in there because he didn't do nothing wrong. Now, there are people who are, but I'm asking you still to show grace and mercy in your court that might override their court. All right. Do you see it? All right. So um, that's that's the word Jesus. 
Then the next one is the word prayer. We've talked about this word. Prayer is the word prosuke, right? When we talked about that in James, where somebody makes a simple prayer, that's the uke, and then they launch it aggressively. When we said the prayers, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much, right? We're talking about somebody taking prayer and launching that their simple prayer and launching that prayer towards God. It's an aggressive, in-your-face type of prayer, right? So some prayer needs to get down and dirty, okay? And I'm not saying it loud because God can't hear, okay? He's not deaf. <laughs> he that formed ears shall he not hear. So he can hear. You're not screaming or, or being aggressive and active in it because of what, what it does for him. But you, when your spirit and your soul and your body gets aligned, if, if it's really important to you, you start to feel something. Right? You tell her, if you tell the right woman, listen, see my shirt, I love my wife. Okay, if I start to really, really tell her I love her, my body starts to react. It's amends me now, I can tell you the truth. <laughs> okay? So what I'm telling you is, when you're doing aggressive prayer, your body should be involved. The effectual fervent prayer, the word there is energetic. So prosuke, it means I'm launching prayer aggressively at God. Deesis says that it's a type of prayer where I'm submitted, I'm humble, I'm positioning my case, I might even write the scriptures. But when it says, I want that type of prayer. He also says there's another type of prayer when I'm, I'm, I'm aggressive. In the name of Jesus, I'll take authority. You know, enemies trying to steal my daughter. He ain't, he ain't playing nice. Lord, would you get the devil off her? In the name of Jesus, Satan, I bind you. Now, Heavenly Father, I declare over my seed that the seed of the righteous shall be delivered. You better find them scriptures. You better know them. Don't be guessing. Get your book out. I don't know them. Well, come talk to your pastor. He know him. Get some help. But then, even if I give you the help, I can't be aggressive for you. You have to take your own authority and be aggressive in your own house, for your own family, and for your own community. You have to be the one that's aggressive about the prayer situations. And that's what this word is. This is the kind of prayer where Jacob said, I'm not going to let you go till you bless me. All right. Now, after that is the word intercessions. The word intercessions is the word intuxis. All right. This word implies an interview, a conference, a formally scheduled meeting. This word was the same word. Um, the root of it in the Greek was used in Acts 25, 24 to describe the meeting between the Jews and Festus concerning Paul. This word is used to describe the fact that Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father, formally scheduling time before heaven to intercede specifically for you. He and the Father have a scheduled time where you are the sole topic of discussion and your needs are the topic of priority. That's what that word means, okay? 
So then intercession is a formal time of meeting with God on behalf of the needs of a person. It implies falling into a situation with them and stepping up for them. A good example, which we've talked about here, is when Abraham, even though he was in the comfort of his own tent and protected, he was praying for those that were locked down in Sodom and Gomorrah. Okay, so listen, what are you telling me, Pastor David? I'm telling you, uh, put some formal time in your schedule to intercede for people. Now, I can intercede. I can, listen, I can pray for my daughter on the go. Yes, I can. I would be foolish not to. But there's sometimes when I have to clear everything off my schedule. Now, listen, your pastor is um, a leader, a first-line leader, you know, a lower, lower-level executive at work, low-level executive. I'm not going to try to oversell my position. But I do handle business, right? I handle business. I, I handle business that affects GM globally. Yes, I do, right? They call me from Korea, from China, from Brazil, right? From Canada, literally from all over the world, right? So I live by my schedule. Sun never sets on GM engineering. Somebody's up somewhere working. <laughs> so we always have to coordinate our meetings to say, it's morning here, man. I have a Friday morning meeting, man. Them people Friday night. <laughs> Sometimes people fall asleep on the phone because we're trying to do global business. Okay? And so we have to coordinate our schedules. This word intercession says, I'm going to synchronize my schedule and set aside a specific appointment of time to talk to God about people. God, I'm not here to talk about me right now. Now, we're talking about engaging increase through intercessory prayer. That's been our topic since April. I'm just telling you the things that you have learned if you really want to internalize. Like, like I, I realize that the way that I've made progress in my health is to have a trainer, okay, Praise God for all you bros that self-motivated and get in the gym on your own. Praise God for you. Much love. I have found that Pastor David has to have somebody that is in authority that I respect and I will be accountable to. Number one. And number two, I have to have a set time that I regularly do it. If I don't, I won't make progress. I'm telling you, if you want your intercessory prayer life, what this scripture implies, what this word implies, is you're going to be formally, you're going to formally schedule a meeting and have a conference to discuss your, the, the needs of someone else with the person in higher authority. And that person is our Heavenly Father. All right? Thank God that, that Lot had Abraham. <laughs> that brother better thank God for his uncle Abe. He would have died. His whole family would have been lost. But he had somebody 
who stopped everything to pray for his nephew. And the Bible says God remembered Abraham and got Lot out of trouble. He didn't get Lot out of trouble because Lot was so good. He got, a, he got Lot out of trouble because Abraham prayed. So I want you to understand how powerful your prayer is and formally set time to do it. All right. Um, supplication, prayers, intercessions. The last word there is giving of thanks. It's the Greek word Eucharistia. It's the Greek word Eucharistia. Sometimes we call it communion. In some, some church service, what we call communion, they call it Eucharist. Ever heard that term, any of you? Sometimes Catholics and stuff. That's not a bad term, just, just so you know. Uh, but the, the Eucharistia, the word U, E-U, means good. It's where we get the word eulogy. Eulogy, E-U, logos, is words. So it means to speak good words of somebody that died. That's what a eulogy is. So the word Eucharist is to, to, to the word you means good, and charis is the word translated grace. This compound word describes an outpouring of grace and wonderful feelings freely flowing from the heart in response to someone or something. Right? Uh, if you are praying Eucharist types of prayers appropriately, this type of prayer shouldn't be hard. God, you've done so much. <laughs> Man, I thank you for, like, listen, husbands, if you can't get some Eucharist up to God for your wife, <laughs> if, you, if, if you can't get excited and just passionately thank God for your wife, your marriage is in trouble. Don't try to get all passionate in bed if you can't get passionate in prayer. Well, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for that marriage counseling, Pastor. You're welcome. You're welcome. Okay. Um, this word, the Apostle Paul here teaches us that when we earnestly ask God to do something for someone, we should be disciplined to match our outpouring of request with an outpouring of thanksgiving. Right? If you ask God to do something, good manners say you ought to turn around and say thank you. Right? Paul talked about this in 2 Corinthians 9, and he said, listen. Listen, church. Speaking as the pastor now. When you ask people to give and you pray to God that they give, when they give towards your need, don't just go back and ask them for the next thing without praying and giving God some thanks for what they gave. Because what happens is, and we do that to God, don't we? We ask him for one thing, and when we get that one thing, we don't stop here and say thank you. We just roll over to the next thing. And he said, and ask for that. Remember there was 10 lepers? Them brothers walked off, them jokers. Nine of them jokers just walked off. He said, only one of y'all turned around and said thank you. And they got healed, but he got whole. He got more than they got. 
God turned around and began to fix his financial situation, right? Heal just meant leprosy. Your body parts start to fall off. They were no longer leprous. They weren't contagious. They weren't diseased. But everything grew back that he lost. His finances and his family, everything. God, God began to turn things around because he turned around to say thank you. He didn't just run off to the next need. What happens is we can be to God like our selfish children can be to us. Soon as you give them one thing, they're not grateful. They run off to the next thing. And he's saying, don't do that. You should be the person who swells over with thanksgiving. Look, you should take some time to read 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Not the part about God loves a cheerful giver. Some, people, some pastors don't know that there's more to that chapter than that. All they do is tell people about y'all being cheerful givers, not understanding that the other part of that scripture requires them when you give, that they turn around and, and shower heaven with thanksgiving on your behalf. Read the last part of that chapter. So when you go out and ask people to give to something, you have a need and you petition God, and then brother so-and-so, prompted by the Holy Ghost, gives you to that, that transaction is not closed, not only until you say thank you to them, but that you overflow heaven with intercession for them. If you haven't done that, you haven't closed the transaction. It's not over. People so to me as they man of God, I got to make sure I have time to pray for them. Can't be all like just run off and spend the money. What? Okay, that's, that's a little bit pastoral, but that's, that's real. I want you to know you, you got to pass. See, do, I'm tired of people telling you to do your part who won't do their part. That might be part of the reason why some places giving don't work. It's not that you haven't given. The people who receive, listen, you know how ministry work, right? No matter how much money you give, I can spend more. That's how ministry is. And that's true if you got 100 members or you got 100,000. Don't get it twisted. You got a bigger congregation, you just got bigger bills. But I can't be so wishing you gave more or running off to the next big problem without celebrating. That's why I took time to say, man, y'all, we still, <laughs> I still want us to praise God because the AC is on. Now I, I, now, I got another list, y'all. Don't get it twisted. I need some more money. But I'm not going to run off to the next thing without being thankful for the last thing. And I would encourage you to not do that either. Don't run off to your next need without swelling over to God with thanksgiving for your last need being met. It sets an attitude. If you run off too soon to your next thing without thanking for the last thing, you won't have faith for the next thing. David was thankful that he slew the lion. 
He was thankful that he slew the bear. So he had faith to face his Goliath. If you run up to situations and your faith is not big enough for what you're facing, not that you know it all, but you have a quiet, a quiet confidence of this, then you might not have been thankful enough for the last thing that you went through. And because you haven't settled that issue with Thanksgiving, you don't have the energy, the, the hope and the faith it takes to face this one because you weren't thankful enough and it didn't settle down in your spirit what God did for you. That's straight off the presses. So stop running off to the next thing and not being grateful for the last thing. That's it. <laughs> now listen, that goes directly counter to the preacher keeping asking you for more money. That's why I pause. My practice is when I have a big giving ask, I'm going to take four to six weeks in front of time to get your faith up to the giving moment. Because faith comes by hearing, so I'm going to talk about it. I ain't trying to get on your nerves because you ain't got enough money. I'm trying to get you to a point where you can believe and give whatever seed you give. But then on the other side, I'm going to take four to six weeks to say, man, I'm really thankful. I'm not going to run off to the next project. I could have done that. I, do not get it twisted. Your pastor has is is as I got I got three or four projects in a row that I, I'm believing God for. I could run off and just get all antsy because we haven't done that. But no, I'm gonna thank God for what we've already accomplished because that's gonna give me the faith for the next thing that I'm facing. You got that? Now, that giving of thanks one, man, that, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. We, you know, we, we just run through that and just get on to the need part and wonder why things aren't working. Say man, if this is blessing you. Okay. So supplication so let's, let's just review. Supplication is a formal written petition to God as a judge of all the earth using the word as spiritual law. And, and it adds power to our corporate unified prayer. The word prayer there is violent, aggressive, relentless prayer. Intercession is a formally scheduled conference on behalf of another. And giving of thanks is swelling with good words in prayer on behalf of another. It should bubble up in you. It's not something you forced to do. You're bubbling up with good words for the people. Man. See. Yes, sir, I'll say it. Uh, one of the reasons why our marriages struggle is because if when I see you, if the only thing we got to talk about is the problem, I begin to see you as the problem. If all I get when I see you as problems, I begin to see you as the problem. 
You tell a dog you love him, and every time you love him, you kick him. The next time you say the love, next time here you say the word love, he running. So even though if you say the word, but your accent is different, that's going to be a problem. So you on purpose have to practice a discipline of thanks thankfulness. It's a spiritual discipline. Okay. My director makes us at every meeting come in with one thing we're thankful for before we start anything else in the meeting. And it changes, it changed the whole dynamic for our team. One thing that you're thankful for. Some people are like, I don't know what I'm gonna say this week, man. I'm like, dude, it's been a whole week. You ain't got nothing to be thankful for. But it's a discipline. I get it. They spend all their time. We engineers, we're paid to solve problems. If you pay to solve problems, then you become expert at finding them. <laughs> so it takes a different perspective if you're going to switch your mind to the point that you can be thankful. Start to swell with thanksgiving. All right. Now, notice here a couple key points, other key points from this scripture. The purpose of prayers listed in this text is to do it for others, not just for our own personal situations. And this prayers are listed, says that we must do it first of all. First of all. Ah, you mean to tell me that my prayer for all men and, and those in authority has to be before my own personal needs? That's what first of all means to me. First means Everything else must come second. Oh, I thought prayer was for the purpose of me getting all of my stuff met. No, prayer, first of all, is so that you can be God's agent in the earth to help his will come to pass in the lives of others. So don't have your prayer time always be selfish. Right? Remember, you have a baby after they... I mean, the last time they say da-da first, the last time they say daddy first is when he's a baby. After that, it's always, hi, mom. Uh, but the next thing they begin to say is, mine. They tend to know mine pretty quick. Somehow that concept translates very well to baby talk. All right? What I'm telling you is prayer has to mature to the point where it's not mine. What's for me? All right? Now, the second key point that we want to say is that while the purpose of this prayer is for all men, the priority is on those in any realm of authority, but especially civic authority, especially governmental authority. What? I'm supposed to pray for those? No, I thought I was just, to talk, just supposed to talk about all of the fake news and all of the bad stuff that's happening. And there's some bad stuff happening. Don't get it twisted. Okay, let me get the camera. There's bad stuff happening. There's just not that much fake news in the world. If there's that much smoke, somewhere there's an inferno blazing. When tape recordings come out in your own voice, where you tell the Mexican president, I know I've been telling them I'm going to build, you're going to pay for it, but I'm still going to pay for it. I just wanted to tell them that so I can get elected. When they got your own voice saying you touching women in the vagina, there's bad stuff happening. 
when you're trying to punish a free press because they said something you didn't like. For our system of governance, there's a problem. But the fact that there's problems doesn't mean that I, can't, I should not pray for the person instead of complaining, including swelling over with thanksgiving. Not just because I voted for him. Now, in the church, let me tell you what happened. <laughs> now, this is, these are generalizations. I'm saying it for the, t for the TV, for, the, for those that are watching me on social media. So don't get mad. Okay, don't get mad. What did I say? Don't get mad. White folk love George Bush. They had, they had books in Christian bookstores about the faith of George Bush. Then, flip the script, black people love President Barack Obama. He was God's answer to our prayer. Now, then white people who love George Bush said, I can't even pray for him. Some of them were praying that he got assassinated. They were taking Old Testament texts out of context. Barack Hussein Obama's, so he must be a part of the Muslim Brotherhood. Those same people that hated on this one, but loved on the second one, all flipped the script when it came to Donald John Trump, who's going to make America hate, I mean, great again. And so they begin to ignore all of the stuff that they said about Bill Clinton and his moral life and say, we still got to vote for this dude. Even though his moral character is clearly flawed and I'm not even mad at him. I'm not mad at him. And so they are flipping back and forth to decide which one I like. That's the one I'm going to support. When the Bible says that you pray for all of them that are in authority, not because it benefits them, but because it benefits you, so that we can lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. I wish the people in Flint might have prayed more for Governor Snyder. Now, I believe, I done told y'all this, I'm going to go on record, I believe he deserves to experience Paul's prison ministry from the inside. That's just me. All right. But he's in authority. So I'm still required to pray for him. I'm still required to pray for him. Let me say it again. I'm still required by God to pray for him. Not just because he's a Democrat, Republican, independent, Tea Party, no party, socialist, communist. I'm required by God. To swell over with thanksgiving for him, the one I didn't vote for, even when I know that they wrong. Now, when the apostle Paul wrote this, they were killing Christians for sport. So it can't be you only pray when you like what they politics. The apostle Paul told him to pray this way, even though Rome was going to cut his head off. So it can't be I only pray when I like their politics. You get it? All right. So 
Do I pray or do I complain about those in charge in public office on the job or at the church? Second Peter 2 and 10 says that when we spend all of our time complaining about people in authority, that word, it says you despise governments. That's the word. There's some people that hate anybody in charge. Don't be one of those people. Not as a believer. Now, none of that said that that person was right. Did any of that scripture say that they were right? No, I didn't find a scripture that said just because they was in charge, they was right. I know people have used that and said, and said, oh, it's right to lock up kids because, and then they start quoting Romans 13 out of context. Yeah, people do that, but they still wrong. That's not why we pray for them. We're not praying for them for their benefit. We're praying for them for our benefit. And we, we pray for the one that we like what they're doing and even the ones we don't like what they're doing. The, these types of prayer are important to God because they open up the door for the gospel. It opens the doorway for the ransom of Jesus Christ to be applied to a lost humanity, right? Because these types of prayers are so powerfully effective in terms of our cooperation with God to fulfill his will in the earth, God is highly pleased when you pray it. You want to get heaven excited? Pray for your president. Not just the one. Now, listen, I done seen a bunch of preachers, very famous ones, who are all excited and on the bandwagon with our current president who said, I can't even pray for the last one. Oh, you was really in the will of God with all your people, huh? Either I'm going to believe you or I'm going to believe what Paul told Timothy. So white or black, Democrat or Republican, liberal or conservative, you're required to pray so that God's will can be done and people could be open to receive the gospel. If you pray, your life will be better no matter what's going on around you. That's why we pray.